This week we're continuing. Last week we started with a family conversation, a, a serious conversation about our life together as a church and opening up to one another about what we're going through, what we need to wrestle with, and so forth. And so if you're a guest this morning, I want to welcome you into our family conversation. It's a little bit different. Today we're kind of having an honest reflection of who we are, where we're going, and so it's a good opportunity for you to get a very frank conversation of uh, what you're getting at King of Glory. On the back of your bulletin this morning, though, is, uh, should be a little thing that talks about our mission and our core focus as a congregation. And I wanted to start there this morning because um, sometimes it may feel like we're going in a bundle of different directions as a church. And the reason for that is this. We're not a niche church. We don't have one thing that we're really all about. And the reason for that is, good or bad, we've got a wide variety of people and interests. Um, in the sense of this. We've got a lot of empty nesters, but we've got empty nesters that are interested in more of a traditional approach to church. We've got empty nesters that are more interested in reaching those who are hurting in our community. We've got empty nesters that are more interested in a contemporary approach, but we've got a wide spectrum, and so it's really hard to pick up momentum going in one direction. But the other reason that we're not a niche church is because our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And to be a disciple of Jesus Christ covers a vast expanse of stuff. We're not just about social ministry, because making a disciple is not just about social ministry, but it's also about personal holiness. And so making disciples is a vast thing. It covers a wide territory of stuff. So therefore, we cover a lot of ground, and at different times, we're emphasizing different things. So if you look at the core focuses of our congregation, we've got worship, that's a core focus. We've got proclaiming the Bible as God's Word. We want to always be doing that in small groups, community groups, or Sunday mornings, or Wednesday night programming, whatever that might be. A third core focus is we want to build relationships. That's why we've got guests who's coming to dinner. That's why we want to put things in place to help us build relationships with the coming generation and the people who are not here today. And then we also have a core focus of being a church that serves the community, that we want to bless the world around us. And so at different times and different seasons, we're emphasizing a different core focus. And so this morning, I want to hopefully maybe bring us a little bit of clarity on what we can look at things through and maybe a little bit narrower of focus when we're looking at the whole broad spectrum of core focuses. But we are broad, and that broadness is because of who we are, where we came from, and also because of our overarching mission of being about the whole thing of making disciples. This morning, I want us to begin our family conversation by praying together the Lord's Prayer, by uniting our hearts together. But as we pray the Lord's Prayer together, I want to warn you, I've changed the wording a little bit. I haven't changed the meaning. Breathe easy here, people. Breathe easy. Think. I've taken directly from translations of the Bible. I've just taken out the these and the thous, because guess what? Nobody's saying thee and thou outside of this room. So I want this to be real for us. So I just took that out the same exact content, but I want us to pray this together and to unite in heart and mind together. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. That wasn't too difficult, was it? 
thing? Just retraining our minds to be people who speak about our God in the same language that we use every day so that we can talk to other people about our God. And so you're going to be seeing this language from, from now on because I want to encourage us to talk in a way that's understandable uh, to people around us. I'm going to read a verse this morning from Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, it says, Then children are brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Hours of work. Not just hours, but years of intentional work and practice. And not just work and practice, but financial investment. That's what an Olympian does. Puts in years of training to get ready for what? The big event. To set themselves up to what? Win a medal. Well, in 2008, the USA relay team, 4 by 100 team, had put in all of the time. They had got there. They were ready to win. They were expected again to take home a medal. But guess what happened during the relay? They dropped the baton. All of that work, all of those hours, done. Just like that. Gone. Not because they were slower, but because they didn't pass the baton. A couple of hours after that baton was dropped, the women's team comes, 4 by 100. Same amount of intensity, probably the same amount of training, same amount of financial investment, and what happens? The baton is dropped. Disqualified. Done. Just because the baton wasn't passed along. Can you imagine being the fourth person on the team that wasn't involved in the drop or being the first person in, on the team that wasn't involved in the drop? And all of that work, gone. Can you imagine the disappointment? Can you imagine the anger you'd probably be feeling towards your teammates? I'm here to tell you this morning and give a very frank warning. The baton is dropping, and it's dropping very, very fast. And I'm not talking about the 4 by 100 in the Olympics. I'm talking about the good news of Jesus Christ to the coming generations. The baton is dropping. Can you imagine the disappointment when that baton drops? Some of you don't have to imagine the disappointment because you're living in the middle of the disappointment right now. You don't have to imagine the hurt because you have it right now because the generation in your own house that's behind you is not carrying the baton. The generation's not even interested in the baton in your own house. And you're grieved, hopefully not because you put in a bunch of work and hours driving them to Sunday school or whatever, but you're grieved because what? Eternity is at stake. Eternity, life forever is at stake. 
this morning, if I ask you to stand, if this hits home for you, if you have a son or a daughter, a niece or a nephew, a grandchild, a good friend who's not at worship somewhere this morning, I bet that we would have 95% standing this morning. Now let me draw it even closer to home and be very frank. In Christendom as a whole, the baton is dropping in America. At King of Glory Church, the baton is dropping a lot faster than the majority here probably realize. If I drew a red line this morning of where we're at today and where we will be in 20 years, the red line would start at the top of the screen, and in 20 years, it would be at the bottom of the screen. And I'm not exaggerating at all. Oh, but pastor, we've got a young pastor, and he's got kids. When you work out the numbers, just fact-based numbers of people aging and automatic people moving, going everywhere else, whatever, the red line drops over the next 20 years. The baton is dropping if it hasn't already dropped. This morning, we hear a story about Jesus. Jesus has just finished some really teeth serious teaching. He's actually just finished talking about divorce, and he's just finished really giving some harsh words. And so he's been in a serious conversation, and he's been meeting with religious leaders. And guess what? People are bringing children to see Jesus. And Jesus' own disciples are thinking, oh, come on now. We got serious conversations to have here. We got to keep our leader focused on the issues of the day. We've got to keep our leader focused on building up committees so that the temple can grow. Give these children back. But what does Jesus do? The word is, he rebukes his disciples. And he says, let the little children come. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. See, Jesus wants the kids to come, not because it's a photo opportunity, but Jesus wants the kids to come because what? The kids can experience the kingdom of heaven as well. And because Jesus is not a one-generational king. I think and I hope you would agree with me on that this morning. Jesus is not interested in just one generation. If he is, what are you and I doing here this morning? Because guess what? We're multi-multi-generations away from Jesus. Thankfully, Jesus is interested in multi-generations that go on and on. That's why you and I are here today. You and I are here today because the heart of God is that the coming generation would hear about God's greatness and pursue after Him. That's God's desire. God's desire is not to have one generation in heaven and that's it. Otherwise, it'd be done by now. But God's desire is that His good news would go from generation to generation so that every generation may enjoy all generations in eternity with Him. Somebody at some point passed the faith down to you. It might have been your grandmother, it might have been your mother, it might have been your father, or maybe been a co-worker. Someone passed the faith either along to you or down to you. For the majority of us, it was down to us. But now we find ourselves in a situation 
where we can't seem to pass the faith down to the next generation. So how is it then that we should live out the heart of God? Specifically here at King of Glory, how should we live out the heart of God in order to reach the next generation with the good news of God? You want to ask you a question this morning. What is the best way to get older? What is the best way to get older? Culture would answer this way. Save money so you can get an early retirement. And then when you get an early retirement, set yourself up so that you can travel where you need to travel. You can kind of do what you need to do, and you can kind of volunteer when you want to volunteer. That's the best way to get older. But guess what happens when you're getting older that way? You still lose all that stuff at some point. And at some point, you still have loss of peace of mind. Why? Because you're continuing to lose more and more control over more and more things. So what's the best way to get older? I would contend to you this morning that the best way to age is to pour yourself into that which will live beyond your age and into eternity. Pour yourself into something which isn't going to end when you end. Isn't that what we all want? We all want something to go beyond us because all of us can see very clearly the futility of everything we touch because it comes and goes really fast. So the best way that any of us can age, no matter what age we're at, 33 or 65 or 50, the best way for us to age is to pour ourselves into an age that's going to be here when we're gone. So let's talk for a moment about our current state at King of Glory. Our current state at King of Glory, to be very frank, is we almost have none, if any, visitors at all ever that are below the age 40 or 45 with children. This is fact. This is not Pastor Rich just sharing his opinion, trying to get you excited. This is fact. And let me share another fact with you. The issue is not location. The issue is not look. The issue is not music style. Because they haven't been here, how can the issue be music style? There's churches in certain locations that have a beautiful building and are dying. There's churches in other locations that got a horrible building and a horrible, and they're just going crazy. If you're under 45, I would contend that there's no one, I'm saying no one, and maybe there's a couple of exceptions, in Sioux Falls that's looking for a North American Lutheran church. Because no one under 45 grew up in that denomination, so therefore they're not looking for that denomination. Actually, they're looking for the exact opposite. Because if you're under 45 and you grew up Lutheran, let's say, but you had more of a conservative bent of lifting up the Word of God, and now you're disgruntled with the way the Lutheran church is going, guess where they're going? And this again is fact. They're leaving the Lutheran church in droves. It doesn't matter what type of Lutheran church, because what? They see it all as the general same institution. That what happened in their previous experience is just going to happen in this experience under a new institution. Again, folks, this is, I would, I would contend, pure fact. Some of you are going this morning, oh no, where are we going here? What's he doing? Thing. All I'm just sharing with us is information that we should be aware of. I'm not saying we should 
not be Lutheran anymore. I'm not saying we should leave our denomination anymore. I'm just sharing facts. So that fact is working against us. Other churches in town, when a new family moves to town, if you're a Reformed, usually you go and you check out other Reformed things. They at least got a base of people to draw from. We've got no base of people to draw from. So what do we do? First is this. There's no magic formulas. Absolutely no magic formulas. Putting Pastor Rich in jeans, and this is the fanciest clothes I've ever worn on a Sunday. Thanks. Putting Rich in hip jeans and a skinny tie and a nice shirt every Sunday, let me tell you right now, it's not going to change a darn thing. But let me tell you something else. Putting me in a robe every Sunday is not going to change a darn thing. Externals matter, but they have no power to regenerate the heart. Externals matter, but they have no power to regenerate the heart. And so often we get focused on the externals, and the last couple of weeks have been very intentional. It's been changing up the externals a little bit. A couple of weeks ago I wore nice khakis and more of a traditional tie. We've changed the location of the chairs the last couple of weeks. All just kind of a test. Are people getting stuck on the externals? Because guess what? It doesn't matter which way you put the chairs. It's not going to bring anyone here for the first time. It's not going to matter if you have a kitchen or not. That kitchen is not going to bring one new family here under the age of 45. Guarantee it. Again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just sharing facts. What do we do? This morning, some of us need to be willing to give up some of our externals because sometimes the externals do get in the way. Let me explain a little bit. Some people have a certain perception of church, that church is a, a goody place, that when you come there, you've got you to be in your best, and therefore you've got to be in your best behavior. And what drives that perception then is clothing, is appearance of the facility, and so forth. So the external thing is you do something different so you don't promote that line of thinking. And we've done that intentionally here in different ways. Why? So that we remove that external barrier. Again, you're removing the external, but removing it doesn't necessarily accomplish what you want. You're just removing something that might have veto power over someone's life. So again, we do use external stuff, but external stuff can't solve everything alone. Does that make sense what I'm saying here? Some of us need to be willing to give up some of our external stuff here. The other day, or a couple of weeks ago, I was at home and having a pizza, and I couldn't find my pizza cutter thing. But all of a sudden, I found this new black pizza cutter in the drawer. What in the world? How dare someone replace my pizza cutter? You see, this pizza cutter, I've had this baby for a long time. This thing has been with me through thick and thin. This thing has been present at bachelor parties. And someone tried to replace my pizza cutter. Does it have rust on it? Absolutely. Some little rust is good for you in your pizza. Guess what? Today, I'm getting rid of the pizza cutter. Right here and right now, I'm getting rid of the pizza cutter. 
Who wants to take it home? But guess what? This morning, some of us need to get rid of some pizza cutters here at church. Some things that we hold on to way too dearly that have absolutely nothing to do with the mission of Jesus Christ. And for all of this, this is different. For some of us, it's the lyrics that we use in the Lord's Prayer. For some of us, it's the committee structure of the church. For others of us, it's how we report attendance or budget numbers. It's something different for all of us that we, that we hold on to. But all those things we hold on to, if you open up the Bible, there's not clear direction about any of it. So Therefore, we've got to ask ourselves, are there things we're holding on firm to that we should release because releasing them would at least put us in a position to do something different? And I hope you would agree with me this morning. We have to be willing to do something different. And when I say something different, don't get scared. Oh, no, man, we're going to get up front. He's going to read from a children's book every Sunday. Okay, we're not going to negotiate on some things. We're not going to negotiate on proclaiming God's word. It's a core focus. We're not going to negotiate on caring for one another. If you're hurt and needing a visit, we're going to care for you. It might not be the pastor, but we as the church are going to care for you. We're not going to negotiate on those items. But outside of those items, guess what? We might set some stuff aside. We might not have cookies and coffee on Sunday morning. <gasps> it's okay. Guess what? We might not need cookies and coffee on Sunday morning. I'm not saying we're doing that. I'm just throwing that out there for us to consider. But we might do it. What's the cookie cutter that you've got to be willing to release this morning? I'm releasing my cookie cutter, and there's things that I've got to be willing to release as well. I've got to learn to stop talking in deep theological language all the time. I've got to be able to talk simpler. I've got to work on stuff. You've got to work on stuff. But the driving vision is not to be different for different sake. It's to be different because God's heart is that the coming generation would hear about His glory. Do you know what the ultimate sign of maturity is in the Bible? It's not listing off all the books of the Bible. It's not giving the family tree of Jesus. It's not going through all of the Old Testament characters. Guess what the sign of maturity is? Saying, it's not about me. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, I surrender all of my rights. I do whatever it costs to win the prize, to, to reach others for Christ. Philippians chapter 2 says, make your attitude the same of Jesus Christ. In other words, the attitude of, it's not about me. It's about the next person. It's about the next generation. I have to relinquish some of my rights. You have a right to worship a certain way. Absolutely. No one's taking that right from you. But let me tell you this. Are you willing to relinquish that right a little bit for the sake of another person or for the sake of the next generation? The sign of maturity is saying, it's not about me. That doesn't mean you don't get taken care of. It just means that what? You have to be a self-feeder. Not comparing you to a cow here. thing, But the majority of us, again, the majority of us, have been in church for 40 years. Folks, we should be able to take care of ourselves. Not just me, but in our core groups that 
care for us. We should not have to expend organizational energy on the mature because the mature should be saying, it's not about me. So, what do we do? Help. First, let's spend a few moments asking maybe the most difficult question of all. What about our grown children who have wandered away from the Lord? This was the number two thing asked last week on the note cards. Questions about how do I help my kids who don't know God anymore? This morning, I just want to provide a a couple of thoughts for you to consider, consider of how do we help our kids who have wandered from the Lord. First is this, we need to start thinking like a missionary rather than a parent. This might sound really odd. Think like a missionary, not a parent. Like a missionary thinks like this. Well, I want to understand how they're thinking. I don't want to just translate information down to them. I want to understand how they're thinking so I can maybe help them think differently or understand so I can help them process differently. Think like a missionary. If you're a parent whose child has wandered, let me encourage you this morning. We cannot rebuke at every turn. Every time they come home for supper, every time they come home for a weekend, you cannot bring up the fact that they're not going to church. You cannot bring up the fact that they're living with their boyfriend or girlfriend. You cannot bring up the tattoo every time they come home. And there's nothing wrong with the tattoo anyhow, so just stop bringing that up. We've got to to stop rebuking at every turn and have an open home like a missionary would. we got to start treating some of our kids who have gone away from the Lord as unsaved individuals. Unsaved, yes. Which means we just open our arms to them. Come. And we expect their behavior to be bad. Why? Because they're not trusting in Jesus right now. So I've got to welcome them. And then when I welcome them, what do i got to do? I've got to listen to what's going on in their life, and then I've got to try and find ways to talk to them about the values behind the behavior, not the behavior itself. Because ultimately, I need to point them to Jesus, not just fix a certain behavior. So this morning, let me give you another practical thing. If your child is wandering from the Lord, let me encourage you, learn their communication style and get good at it. If your son or your daughter is better at texting and that's what they would rather do, you got to start texting and get good at it. Have fun with it. If your son or daughter's on Facebook and that's how they want to communicate with you, guess what? Get on Facebook, get over your pride, and start talking to them in that setting. Whatever it takes, learn their communication style and meet them there. Start there. Work there. Finally, let me give another practical thing. If you go to visit your kids somewhere, if your kids do not live here in Sioux Falls, you go and visit them some weekend, don't wake up on Sunday morning and be like, Okay, where are you taking us to church today? Do some research before you get to town that weekend. Find a church that you think would be preaching God's word, but it would also be open and acceptable to them. And then on Sunday morning, do this. Hey, Mom and I are going to head off to worship this morning. We're going over here to 6th Street Place we found on the Internet. If you want to join us, feel free. Otherwise, we'll catch up with you for lunch afterwards. You're making an invitation. You've done some legwork. But you're not applying pressure and you're not dragging them along to something that their position is, here, mom and dad again, doing something. Again, I'm just trying to give some practical ways to think about this. If your son or daughter's living here in Sioux Falls, how dare I even say this, because this could get me really in trouble. You might have to think about 
encouraging them to go somewhere besides King of Glory. Because guess what? There's just a lot of baggage sometimes to, to bring them here. So maybe some Sunday morning say, hey, Dad and I are going over here because we're just checking something out for understand for our own church. You want to join us? Now, I'm not encouraging you to leave King of Glory thing, all right? I'm much more interested in the kingdom of Jesus, though, than the little kingdom we have here. Or maybe it's, hey, there's a Saturday night service over here, and we're going to head over there. Would you be willing to join us tonight? Again, it shows that you're, just, you're not just trying to get them, I want them at my church with me on Sunday morning. You're doing whatever it takes. So that, that's just some practical things of how to think about maybe those kids who have, have wandered. And finally is this. It's not your fault. You cannot regenerate your own son or daughter's heart by the way in which you modeled the faith or the, by the way in which you didn't model it, by what you said or what you didn't say. You cannot regenerate your son or daughter's heart. Only the Spirit of the living God can. It is not your fault this morning. But you have an opportunity to continue to be in relationship and trust in the living God, the mercy of the living God. But let's get back to King of Glory for a second. Let's get very practical. What are we going to do? We've got to find a way to reach out to young people and get them in here, right? And it's not going to happen by a name. It's not going to happen by an ad in the Argus. It's not going to happen by um, just us staying the same way we are. We've got to do something. So this morning, I'm throwing out some ideas. These are not written in stone. This is very different. Usually I say, here's where we're going. Get on board. Today I'm throwing out a fleece in a sense and saying, could we do this? Is anybody else tired of culture? putting us in a position where we constantly have to say what we're against. Anybody else sick and tired of having to say, ah, why so many hurt families? Why all this sexual stuff? And constantly saying, no, no, no. What if for the next 11 months, instead of saying, no, 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 we just said this, hey, you know what? This is what we're for. So what are we going to be for? We're for kids. We love kids because God loves kids. We love kids because kids can have the kingdom of heaven. So what are we going to do for kids? Let me give three ideas this morning. One is already in works and going. The other two are just ideas. The first is this. Wednesday nights, starting in September, this place is going to be rocking. Our kids, plus we're partnering with International Outreach Ministries again on Wednesday nights. This is a multicultural experience. Kids coming together to learn God's word. We've got fabulous teachers. We've got great content. Guess what we're doing? We're doing Sunday school the way Sunday school was originally intended to be. Sunday school did not start as church people going, hmm, what am I going to do with my kids on Sunday morning? Sunday school started in Chicago by someone saying, I got all these kids in my neighborhood and they're not going to church on Sunday, so what am I going to do? Drive the bus over there, pick them up, and let's bring them in. What do you call it? Sunday school. Sunday school was originally an evangelism thing. Wednesday nights, we're doing Sunday school Chicago style. Our kids, other kids, we need moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles. Not the whole year. You don't have to give 10 months. Six weeks. Maybe come and host. Get welcome people for six weeks. Maybe drive, give rides for six weeks. Wednesday nights is going to be fabulous. It's going to be great. 
So that, that's what we're doing for our kids and for kids that we've got connection to through IOM and then in the future King's Closet, multicultural opportunity. It's absolutely fabulous. So that's one thing. So now we've got to get some more practical, though, on how are we going to introduce people to King of Glory? Let me throw out two ideas. One's a little bit radical. One, they're both simple but radical. First is this. What if next summer, from the month from May through September, we had a wedding every single weekend here at King of Glory? And not King of Glory members, non-members. People are desperate for a place to get married. What if we said this? You can use this place for free. You got a free pastor. You got a free service. Here's all you have to do. Three weeks of premarital counseling with one of the couples in our congregation that's been married for 20 years. Stand up if you've been married for 20 years. Thanks. All right, sit down. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with an asset? Are we going to put an asset in the bank and hope that it just draws some interest? Are we going to put that asset to work to build something? How about that we said we're for marriage, and it's going to be messy because people are going to be living together, but guess what? We're going to say we want you to have a healthy marriage. Come here. We're going to pour into you. And over a four-month period, I calculate that we could have 2,500 people come in these doors and at least become aware of the name King of Glory. And then we could say, we're for marriage. We're doing everything we can to set people up for success. All it would take is everybody in here counseling one couple. I'll provide you the stuff to work through. It's simple, conversation, a bowl of chili. This is doable, folks. This is doable. That's one idea. Let's pack this place with weddings. Let's minister to people. Why? Because God is for marriage, because God is for families, because he wants more kids produced. Let's say it boldly. You can laugh at that. It's all right. That's one thing, for marriage. What's the next thing we should do? The next thing we could do is this. One night a week, Thursday night, Tuesday night, whatever it ends up being, let's have a daycare here. Bring your children here. Go out on a date, mom or dad, or single mom. Bring your children here. Drop them off and go and do your grocery shopping. Eight kids every week we want here in this building from October through next August. Eight kids every week. I figure that could be two families. That could be three families. Sometimes it might be one, but let's just assume for a second it's three different families. Through that October through August of next year, that's, that's what, 11 months, eight families a week, the 45. we're up into the hundreds of kids that we're ministering to we're over almost near 100 families that will have introduced the King of Glory and said what? We want to care for your family. What would it take? It would take two adults every week. So we have one adult for every four kids. It would take two adults every week saying, I'll be there on Thursday night. I'll, I'll babysit. I'll make sure these kids get the best care possible. I'll, I'll tell them stories. I'll bring some homemade treats, whatever it takes. And these parents are going to be wooed and amazed. Why? Because we're four kids. No strings attached. I'm just throwing out ideas for what? We've got to find ways to take the King of Glory name and get it in front of people under the age of 45. Usually I'd say, let's go, let's do this today. I think we need to approach this one a little bit differently. It's going to cost money. $22,000 it's going to cost us to do that over the next 10 months. And I got no idea if it's going to work. And I'm wide open to other ideas. 
Yesterday, Hannah and I were hanging out here in the afternoon, my daughter and I, and I asked Hannah this thing. I said, Hannah, I said, it's been a little while since you brought your offering to church. Would you be willing to bring your offering to church tomorrow if it would help get more friends here for Hannah? She said, yeah. So this morning, I brought Hannah's piggy bank. Last time she brought her piggy bank was for our bigger offering last year, remember? Thing, God blew us all away. We're going to test and see if this is the will of God by seeing if we can fill up that piggy bank over the next month with $22,000. You cannot put in more than $5,000. Because guess what? I don't want one person to write the check and then pass the rich to be excited. I want 100 different gifts. One of 5,000, 10 of 1,000, 10 of 500, 20 of 50, 50 of 25, because then what? All of us have bought in. This is not our general giving. This is not our vision giving to the parking lot. This is just this right here. If we believe, we need to reach the next generation. I got no idea. Thing, good idea or bad idea. I got no idea if this is a God idea or if this is just bad pizza at night. Therefore, that's why we're testing it. That's why we're seeing if God will move upon hearts and say, let's do this. Let's find a way to reach the next generation and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. This morning, we could sit around and look at each other and point fingers and be sorry for ourselves. Or this morning, we could say, wow, Look at the opportunity before us. Look at the God of this universe who created us and created families so that people would continue to exist forever and ever. Look at the God of this universe who said, I love kids. The king of heaven came and sat down in the middle of a teaching and said, hey, let the kids come. Put them on my lap. And the religious leader said, whoa, slow down. But the king of heaven came. Because the king of heaven wants every generation in heaven with him. So what are we going to do, king of glory, to introduce the next generation to the king of heaven? It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. There's difficult decisions to be made. We still focus on all that stuff as I talked about, but yet we have to work it through this funnel. How does it help us reach the next generation? We can do this. We can do what God has asked of us, be four kids and four families. This morning, I just want to ask you two questions. First question, will you be for those who remain after you? Will you be for those who remain after you? Second question, will you be for something that exists for eternity? Will you be for something that exists for eternity? If you want to be for those two things, the best way to do it is to pour into kids in the next generation. I would contend this morning that I've got the best life in this room. Hands down, 
my kids are set up for success spiritually, financially, educationally. They are, you can't get a better situation. Last Saturday night, we wanted to go for supper. Ten minutes, called somebody and said, hey, we're dropping off our kids. And we dropped them off. I want what we have for our two children for 50 more kids, for 500 more kids, for 1,000 more kids. Because what I have for my two kids should not be because I'm the pastor. It should be because we are four kids. Can we, over the next year, give to more families what we give to my family? Over the next month, we'll leave the piggy bank out, and if we have to get a bigger piggy bank, we'll get a bigger piggy bank. And we'll see what God does. We'll test where God wants to lead us. But I know this, that the kingdom of heaven is not meant for one generation. The kingdom of heaven is not meant to be something you achieve when you're 60. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Will you join me in telling the same old, old story to the next generation? Maybe telling it a little differently and in a little different setting and looking a little bit different. But will you join me in telling that same story to the next generation so that next generation will experience His glory forever? How many of you this morning, raise your hand, can point to someone in your life that passed the faith down to you? Twenty years from now, will we be able to have a room with people in it where they could raise their hands and say, Frank passed the faith down to me. Dan passed the faith down to me. Lynn passed the faith down to me. Right now, to be very blunt, there may be very few hands raised. So will we, under the power of God, seek to do all we can so that hands will be raised and they will say, I want to tell the old, old story. I'd ask that you would stand this morning as we prepare to sing our next song this morning. Let's stand together. And as you stand this morning, we'll do something else different since we're just on a, on a different move all around. Let's join hands. Again, this is a family conversation. It's like the old family meal. As we join hands this morning, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to pray that God would build our family, that our hands would be joined together with more hands. Because God wants to build his family. But it's going to take us being a family to do that. A family stepping out in faith. Almighty God, we come to you now as your family. God, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would grow this family.
we ask in the name of Jesus that you would exponentially grow this family for your glory. So we ask now in the days ahead, O Lord, that you would give us wisdom and discernment. I pray this morning, Lord, that right now you would move upon people's hearts of where you'd have them give and serve. And Lord, we pray that today you would use us for eternity in someone's life. God, we offer ourselves unto you for your sake and for your glory. Use us to tell your story. In Jesus' name, amen.